We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. Tiana Speeder, your host with you here. Catch me each week with my co-host Andrew Mast and a bunch of amazing people from around the music industry to dive into all things, of course, music this week. Today we'll be chatting new releases, pop culture moments in the musical realms. We will also take a look back at this week in musical history. Plus, I also grabbed a moment with British rockers The Darkness for our artist feature segment this week. Each week, we also add all of the songs and artists discussed in each Press Play episode into the Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Check out the show notes for this episode or head directly to our website, euphony.com.au, to find and follow our playlist and to smash play on some of the week's best new releases. Love music? Press Play. First up today, let's take a look at some new albums and EPs unleashing this week. Today for episode four of Press Play, there's a heap on offer in the land of new albums and EPs. To start off with, unless you've been living under a rock, you will know that the queen of songs about heartbreak, Adele, she's back with her fourth studio album, 30, continuing with her numbered album naming conventions and inspired not only by her divorce, but also delving into motherhood and life under the celebrity microscope. Now, reviews are far and few between so far with the album under strict lock and key, but Billboard have already declared the enduring commercial might of Adele and how her talent for capturing life's different phases will always bewitch the mainstream's attention. Meanwhile, closer to home, Melbourne-based electronic artist Nina Buchanan has dropped her new album Restless Abandon this week. With plenty of colourful synths and oscillating tones that rip at the fabric of typical genre classifications, Musing on the transformative potential of technology and its role in the human condition, this is an exciting release from an extremely intuitive and creative local artist. And also this week, Sydney's Thunderfox have dropped their new album Sanctuary, with a heap of tasty singles popping up in the lead up to tantalise fans, a kaleidoscope of funk, R&B, soul and pop. Sanctuary has been hotly anticipated, particularly by Rolling Stone in the lead up, who previously predicted that the album is on track to be one of the most energetic and eclectic albums of the year. But speaking of things that are eclectic and energetic, I kid, but it is time to pull in my co-host Andrew Mast here, Euphony's head of music and eternally educating me on dance music and tips for things to do around the house. Masty, hello. We're back with another fun-filled episode of Press Play. I'd, I'd like to think that I don't just teach you about dance music. I've, I've taught you some dance moves too. Oh, oh yes. Well, that's, I'm keeping that on the slide. Just I have to practice and bust that out. We'll have to do a video episode once. Maybe not. <laughs> but Master, before we dive into your first album for today, there's been a pretty big chart win for an album very close to your heart. Of course, ABBA scoring their first ever number one in Australia in close to three decades with Voyage. It's only the start of ABBA season two. There's the concert kicking off next year as well to look forward to. Thoughts on this, Masti? Oh, well, hey, <laughs> I'm very impressed. It, look, I know everyone saw this coming, but I'm still pretty proud that our feature album was ABBA and now it's just gone number one everywhere. Um, it's actually only their fifth number one in Australia, uh, believe it or not. Uh, they've had much more success in the UK, where, of course, it's number one. Uh, what the big surprise was that it landed at number two in the US. Uh, it's, it's never been their biggest territory there. So while they were number one everywhere else in the world, uh, except maybe Canada. I think they only clocked in at number two in Canada as well. Um, yeah, they're basically number one throughout Europe uh, with with the Voyage album. So it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a massive comeback. And in Japan, the album charted twice at number four as the regular version and at number 16 where it was rolled out as a double set with the ABBA Gold album. So, yeah, just and broke all sorts of crazy chart records as well. 
Well, I hope that we can claim some of the, you know, the reason for them in Australia. Surely we had something to do with it. But of course, there was another chart win from an album that Belly actually touched on two weeks ago on Press Play. Radiohead also debuted at number three on the ARIA Albums chart late last week with their reissue for Kid A Amnesia, celebrating both Kid A and Amnesiac and some unreleased material as well. Marcy, those Radiohead fans are very determined and they're just very dedicated yeah, I think they even topped ABBA on the vinyl charts in mm. Australia. So, hey, well done, Radiohead fans. That was a pretty yeah. good coup. Yep, go Radiohead. <laughs> well, let's go dive into new ones for this week, Masty. What are you going to be chatting about first today? I'm going to start with Moju's OK. Uh, Moju's previously released three albums and one EP. This time around, we had delivered a mini album. I'll be letting go, I'll be letting go, I'll be letting, I'll be letting go, I'll be letting go, I'll be letting, I'll be letting go, I'll be lying. Snuck one in between the formats. Uh, as someone who's never really been won over by the extended album format, you know, once tracks start getting up to numbers like 20 and 30, I'm out. But, you know, I'm this kind of person also likes a 90-minute film. So I'm a big fan of this um, mini-album format. Live, Moju's set is still very blues and roots-oriented. On OK, working with producers Henry Jenkins and Lewis Coleman, both associated with the Cactus Channel, this lands firmly in future soul territory. The minimal arrangements leave Moju's voice and lyrics as the focus. In the press material, OK is described as a vulnerable and introspective reflection upon mental health and loneliness, adding that OK should leave audiences feeling as though the music itself is the antidote for sadness. It's an incredible balancing act and one that Moju lands. A perfect example is Into These Feelings. It connects on such a personal level, it's hard not to be moved by the sentiments being expressed in the song. But at the same time, there's this really spirited, percussive element to it that lifts you up. And then there's this quiet guitar and gentle synth that just bring a real calmness to the song. I just don't know how Moju's pulled this off. It is just the perfect balancing act. Sitting there almost in tears, but at the same time, my foot's tapping and feeling this, this wonderful sense of calm. There's, there's not a note out of place in the seven songs presented here. Moju's voice is in fine form and OK is a masterpiece of musical connectivity. I honestly didn't want to stop listening to it. Yeah, I think the album title, oh, sorry, the EP title, OK, is definitely an understatement of what is lying in wait. And there's just so many emotions dripping all over the vocal delivery. I know we always talk about production, but it is so sublime here. And I'm just entirely in love with the vulnerability and just the intimate exploration we get, like, and the exceptional songwriting just to, you know, to top it all off. We all knew Moji was a star, but this is just cathartic wizardry on every level. And if you've seen Moju live, you understand how exciting and energetic a performance is. I just, I cannot wait to hear this uh, in a live format. It'll be very interesting to see how it goes over. Very exciting. Absolutely. Well, Marcy, I'm going to go a little bit of a diversion here from your first one today. It is a bit of a doozy though. One of my favourite bands, Converge, they're rolling into 10th album territory this week and it's exciting to note that this time around, it's a collaboration album. So Converge frontman Jacob Bannon actually announced that the band wanted to do something quote unquote grander than the typical four-piece Converge music. And Blood Moon One sees the Massachusetts heavies teaming up with American dark songstress Chelsea Wolfe, who she's renowned for her black metal and her Scandinavian folk fusion. And we've also got Ben Chisholm, who is Chelsea's writing partner and bandmate. And we've also got Stephen Brodsky, who fronts American Rockers Cave-In as well. So this one's coming out via Epitaph Records. And it actually stems all the way back to 2016 when Converge and all of the album's collaborators actually performed at a festival as a seven-piece under the name Blood Moon. And this mutual love and energy led to actual material being written in 2019. And, of course, thanks to COVID, the album was finished remotely. But what I love about this one is it merges experimentation. You've got these amazingly gripping performances and it just gets every single person involved outside their comfort zone while shaping this really, you know, atmospheric adventure. And I think 
there's a lot of stuff we've seen in the lead up, but particularly the title track Blood Moon really displays this and the dark magic beauty on the absolutely serpentine coil, perfectly named song. surprise regular converged fans who are used to the traditional and more aggressive hardcore and punk moments from the band but let me tell you Masti as I'm sure you know from listening this is emotional and it's just a total dark slow burner that will bewitch you and I think it's a really huge moment in the converged story so far subtle elegant and downright delicious blood Masti you say it might surprise converged fans I think it's going to surprise some Chelsea Wolf fans (laughs) yes yeah I may or may not have dabbled in a little bit of golf back in the day. So <laughs> Wolf appeals to the younger me still lurking in my brain's playlist somewhere. Yes. So listening to that song Coil, it is. It's, it's, uh, it is a great, what a way to lure me into the world of Converge. You, 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 you pull me in with Chelsea Wolf and then you keep me for the, for the epic bills. Yes. Uh, yeah, so what an, what an amazing collaboration and one I did not see coming. Same here, here. Now, back here in Australia, we've got a new album called Shrug of the Shoulders by Traffic Island. Some years back, one of my favourite bands to see live was Geelong post-mod band The Frowning Clouds. Band member Zach Olsen is also a part of the heavier outfit Orb. Olsen is also Traffic Island, and that's Traffic with a K, by the way. Uh, This is the third Traffic Island album. And 2019, this is me admitting some bias here, Nature Strip is a particular favourite of mine. Whereas it was a straight-up nod to 60s psych pop, his 2020 album, Sweet Collector's Peanut Butter Traffic Jam, found him dabbling with electronic beats. So it's no surprise to hear how eclectic Shrug is when you look back over uh, Olsen's work to date. You're going to find everything here from a calypso jam, a touch of music or cabaret to straight-up jazz. And Olsen admits that he's kept this loose, wanting a return to hanging with the band in the studio kind of vibe. Some songs were supposedly learnt in a day, just played five times and then recorded. And you do get that um, feeling when you're listening to the album. It is is quite a loose collection. Away from the jammier tracks, there's the acoustic strummer, All the Money in the World. still a thread of 60s influence through tracks like Looking Around the Light and Babylon Blues. He describes it as a raggle-taggled collection of songs. And now there's a term we just don't hear enough of these days. But I describe it as a really diverse set of songs that shouldn't, but does somehow hang together in quite an appealing manner. And I think appealing is the real key word here. It just, it just yeah, it just... Um, invite you in, have a listen and uh, keep spinning. Yeah, perfectly put. And I think you hear that from the start, like jamming with the band took me back to those like uni jam sessions where I pretended to play musical instruments. But it is, I think Traffic Island has been such an exciting project and one that really keeps you guessing. Like, and especially with this album, the hooks are snappy. You got the crunchy slack. You got plenty of guitars, some piano fever dreams to keep you floating along. But I kind of called it for myself jagged gloss. Like it's a bit rough around the edges, mm. but in an entirely smooth and deliberate way, which makes no sense when I say it out loud. But yeah, it's good. It's just, it's amazing. It just has both those splits between it and it somehow works. I love it. I, I like that you uh, just gave us a little insight into your uni days of oh jam sessions. I At least you pretended to play an instrument. I was the one sitting in the corner just nodding the head. I <laughs> so. wish I should have probably done that. <laughs> Everyone there probably wish I did that. <laughs> well, Marcy, for my other one, um, before we go into our feature album, I'm also staying a little bit closer to home and coming a bit closer to your neck of the woods now in Melbourne for a moment here. And I've had a run through the second album, Misericord from Tiny Little Houses. And 
The group's debut, Idiot Proverbs, was back in 2018. And this new album has been extremely long awaited for the quartet since that obvious release first came out. And as expected, there's a bit of fuzz. We've got a bit of cleverly constructed indie rock flourishes. But the album also seems to offer a really powerful vehicle for frontman Caleb to kind of really starkly open up and offer some pretty intimate insights into his own world and also the bizarre world around all of us at the moment too. And I think what I found interesting, according to the press material in the lead up, the album was written with Caleb testing himself with stuff like Cold Showers, thus the opening track titled Cold Showers, and Long Stretches of Fasting, Then you throw in the fact that the album was recorded in three separate sessions in Melbourne, starkly contrasting with the log cabin that they used to bring their previous album, Idiot Proverbs, to life as well. But the time and the energy that they spent crafting this release, I think it's really found the group with a new lease on Sonic Life. Like the lo-fi charm is still alive and well. Look no further. I mean, their single's like, I'm doing just the best that I can. I'm not that depressed, but I could always be a little happier. all the Ryan woozy gem that is smartest guy but there's some nostalgic grungy undertones floating by there's plenty of emotion and a permeating sentiment that suffering is good and fun fact for me Musty I had no idea so the album title Misery Chord it's a knife used to deal the death blow to wounded knights and it's a merciful way to release you from pain and suffering and the album delivers that without the fatal blow but for me the blow is powerful nonetheless well, I, I remember back in 2018 uh, when we were publishing the music magazine, we declared Tiny Little Houses as a band to watch that year. They didn't quite blow up in the way that I expected, and I'm wondering now if that was maybe a good thing mm. because, like you said, they've really found um, a sound that they're comfortable with, this, this new sonic direction, as you called it. And I would never have guessed Smartest Guy was even them had it been played to me out of context as just a new track. They sound a little darker at times, but they definitely sound tighter. It's a really marked progression, and I'm glad you brought this one uh, in to to give us a a listen to. Yes. Well, moving into our feature album, we could not get further than something like Tiny Little Houses, but... You and I have both had a chance to roll through and get all aboard the Christmas train, Masty. Get excited because Paul Kelly's Christmas train is out this week. So for many Aussies, obviously Christmas is not complete without whacking on the Aussie seminal favourite, How to Make Gravy. And I know, Masty, a couple of weeks back, we did get to preview the aptly titled song Christmas off the forthcoming album. Christmas up where I came from. With my new friend It was fun living on the dream A big wild dream The train is officially here. The album's coming out via EMI. And what I find with this one, it's Paul Kelly, but he's taking on a very balanced and diverse Christmas with this one. So... Originally in the lead up, he looked to tackle a handful of seasonal standards, but he quickly realised that, you know, putting, you know, me a couple of like eight to ten songs couldn't really express what he was really wanting to put out there. And what started as a yearning to tell more relatable and layered stories of Christmas slightly evolved and grew. And now what we have is a 22 song double album, quite literally covering centuries and global standards and ballads. And we're even getting a new version of How to Make Gravy as well, 25 years after the track was first released. So for this, Bonanza Kelly is joined by an army of Christmas musical elves. We've got, it's a bit of a who's who. We've got Marlon Williams, who I know, Master, is a bit of a personal favourite of yours. We've got Emma Donovan, Walida Lee, Casey Chambers, Kate Miller-Heike, Vicar and Linda Ball, to name but a mere few. But we've also got features from people within the Kelly family as well, with nephews, siblings and daughters as well, joining in for some good measure as well. But I don't know if you felt the same way, Marcy. We're not laden with the cliche labels hitting you in the face, this entire thing. And Paul Kelly did repeatedly mention he went off the beaten path for this album. So for me, it's less a Christmas album and more a celebration of stories and moments in time that really resonate with Paul Kelly and his loved ones. Well, I'm not a Christmassy person. 
and this does not bode well for our upcoming Christmas show. Just <laughs> let's uh, let's forewarn there. But I am a sucker for Christmas earworms, and and people continually tell me off for whistling Christmas carols in July and things like that. I don't know why, but they've just stuck with me. So I'm always up for new renditions of the seasonal classics, as you said. And Kelly delivers with Silent Night and a Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> I, they were on my list too, yes. The, the latter, that Little Drummer Boy has been recorded by everyone from Joan Baez to even RuPaul. And Kelly's version is sublime. I mean, this you know this is going to be on repeat <clears throat> during a Christmas meal somewhere in Australia. We're well, probably in a lot of places in Australia. So, yeah, absolutely delight to hear what he's done with those tracks. But my absolute highlights... Uh, Emma Donovan and, as you said, Marlon Williams' contributions. Donovan on The Virgin Mary Had One Son is just a show-stopping blues vocal. Like, full stop, that's it. And then then it rolls straight into Marlon Williams' Tapu Tapo, and it's simply beautiful. If you're a fan of Williams' smooth vocal timber, this is such a fine showcase for him that you just you'll need this in your collection alone, this, this double album. It, 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 you'll want it for this. Yeah, so absolutely, there's so some real standout moments on this and uh, I think he's done a real sneaky. I, I think this could become uh, something people will return to year after year in Australia. This will be considered an absolute Christmas classic. Absolutely. And like the huge melting pot, I mean, we've also got Latin hymns, a chapter from the Quran and a Hebrew song, like rock songs, folk songs, the list goes on. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, sometimes we all need a little break from the Mariah Carey's and the Buble. Sorry, whoever's cursing me right now for saying that, but I agree. Like there is actually something for everyone. It's, we say that a lot, but there genuinely is like, it's a melting pot of eras, places and people. And the way he curates it and presents it, it just, it shouldn't work. There's so many differing things happening, but it's just this smooth, enjoyable listen. And yeah, it took me by surprise in a really good way. Yeah, I think a, a few Christmas celebrations are going to find uh, family members sneaking to the <coughs> sneaking to the phone and finding the Spotify playlist, getting rid of that Mariah Carey on, <laughs> on repeat and uh, slipping this one in. Definitely. Well, with 22 songs, it'll get you through lunch, so that's perfect. It will. It will. I thought that about the length. Perfect. (laughs) Well, Marcy, thank you for sharing some of these albums with me today. As always, we'll be hearing from you a bit later for our Singled Out segment, so I will catch you in a little bit. And to join me now on Press Play to chat through yet another incredible release from this week, I'm joined now by our guest reviewer for today, a music journalist, a culture journalist, and she specializes in so many genres. I'm talking R&B, hip hop, dance, and just all things pop culture in general. But today she's chatting about a brand new release with us. It's Cyclone Vayner. Cyclone, welcome to Press Play. Hey, Tiana. It's so good to be talking to you. Oh, I'm so excited to chat to you. And I know you've come on to talk us through a superb album this week. So what are you chatting with us today? Well, I've been nodding my head to an absorbing Bird's long-awaited second album, Legacy, which really shows his evolution as a hip-hop artist. Incredible. And I agree. Like I've I've had Bird's on my radar for a little while now, and I just feel like this is going to be such a huge moment for him. Can you unpack it a little bit for us and tell us what we can expect this week? Yes, certainly. The Butchella rapper delivered his acclaimed debut album, Train of Thought, on Briggs' label, Bad Apples Music, in 2017, and Legacy is a follow-up. He's worked closely with the versatile trials of AB original fame, so it all feels very communal and authentic. What initially always strikes me when listening to Birds is how expressive his voice is. He sings, raps, but with such a distinctive lilt. Like Jay-Z or even DMX said his most introspective, Birds conveys a lot of emotion just through cadence. It makes him even more of a resonant storyteller. On Legacy, Birds is joined by the soulful Neri for the R&B-tinged single Fly, which extols black pride and resilience, and their musical chemistry is just sublime. Train of Thought was a powerful and poetic exploration of Bird's experiences and observations as a First Nations man in contemporary Australia. And uh, it won a, an Air Award and was shortlisted for the Australian Music Prize. 
In fact, he preempted many of the discussions amplified by last year's Black Lives Matter protests. Notably, Birds had a song entitled Black Lives Matter, which highlighted Indigenous Australian encounters with systemic racism and the denial surrounding it, speaking truth to power. Of course, since then, he's had an EP and uh, that had an amazing song with uh, Moju uh, called Black Child. The EP was uh, Place of Dreams. But Legacy likewise thematizes heritage, but this time Birds, as a dad to a young son, focuses on family and intergenerational ties. Specifically, he reflects on what he wants to achieve in his life and career and what he hopes to leave behind. A lot of the album is about breaking cycles and claiming agency, but from a more personal vantage point, the twangy intro, Legacy, is a symbolic collaboration with his cousin, Fred Leone. Especially moving is the recent single, Legacy Part 2, birds pay in to parenthood with Missy Higgins. And our legacy will live on with you and forever. It's been a hard road to get here. Sometimes I thought I'd be swallowed by fear. Why were we fighting? What good would it do? Then you appeared and I knew you'd be my legacy. They first connected when performing together on the set last year, covering Destiny's Child's Survivor, of all things. It even has some pretty lighters in the air piano. But there are also songs like They Don't Know, another single, where Birds alludes to dealing with the machinations of the music industry. He again collabs with Fred on the epic, and I'm going to struggle saying this, I've been practising, Baggy Lam Baga recorded for last year's NITV doco, Looky Looky Here Comes Cookie. It was such a big hit. It came in at number 30 on the Triple J Hottest 100. But one of the most incisive tracks is called Aussie Aussie, where a very weary sounding bird subversively flips a slogan to reveal the latent hypocrisy behind it. Briggs style, addressing dispossession, police brutality and custodial deaths. It is wry, ironic and undeniable. On Legacy, Birds has also expanded musically beyond classic boom bap. He experiments with flows too. He ventures into reggaeton on, on They Don't Know, the track I mentioned before, with Tom Crawford, an alternative rock guy. There's even an EDM track on this record. I was very surprised by this. It's called Caught Up. It's very clever how Birds has discovered a way to instill a summer festival anthem with a message. Birds is stretching himself as an artist, but on his own terms, and significantly he's releasing legacy at a time when Black First Nations MCs are at the forefront of hip-hop, not only in Australia, but maybe the world, with names like the Kid Leroy and Baker Boy blowing up. But I think we sometimes forget that the hip hop scene here in Australia has always had Indigenous voices. Tasman Keith's father, YMC and Little G are just two game changers. So just as an idea, Legacy is very cultural, culturally relevant. And I think this record really taps into the zeitgeist. Absolutely. And I think it's amazing you bring that up because it's like there are so many artists doing so many incredible things, but it just seems like there's so much potency around this release. And, you know, there's so many powerful messages coming through, but there's so much hope that he's infused into it as well. And he's had such a huge year. I've heard nothing but good things about his live set. And I feel like being able to go on tour and actually tour this new album next year is just going to even level that up even more. So 2022, it's going to be such a big year for birds, I feel. I'm sure he's been sitting on some of this material for a while, just waiting for lockdown to mm -hmm. ease um, because it's been anticipated for at least a year or two. 
Yeah, oh, it's. I feel like it's what a way to end the year and what an incredible album. I just, yeah, you've just made me even more excited about it, Cyclone. So I cannot wait to actually be able to sit down and listen to this, not just in a passing listen, but actually sit down and immerse myself in it. So I cannot wait. Oh, I, I can't wait till I see how well it does. Yes. I'm sure it'll blow up. 100%. Well, as always with Press Play, with all the songs you've heard snippets of in today's episode, including the Amazing Birds songs that you've heard here, you can listen to the songs in full alongside a whole bunch of other new tunes dropping each day. Check out the Press Play mixtape on Spotify or jump over to Instagram to at Press Play Oz and grab a listen. But before you do that, it's time now for our Artist Feature segment. Now, on Press Play, it's Artist Feature Time, and today I'm joined not by one guest, but four. To celebrate another impending album release this week, British rockers The Darkness are here to unpack their new album, Motorheart. Darkness instills memories of the early 2000s with the band catapulting into the public eye with their debut album Permission to Land back in 2003. With singles like I Believe in a Thing Called Love stirring up attention, the band have had close to two decades since that release with a string of awards, lineup changes and a bunch of albums along the way as well. Motorheart, in essence, offers everything you'd expect from a Darkness album. The hallmark vocals of frontman Justin Hawkins laid over cranked guitars, stomping rhythmics, and even the occasional injection of folk instrumentation, including bagpipes, for good measure. In a time when the world has become quite a serious and gloomy place, Motorheart presents not just as a mere rock album with some stylistic shimmers for good measure. It's also some much-needed feel-good fun. And right now, Justin from The Darkness joins Press Play to give us even more fun, asking his own band members Rufus, Dan and Frankie to unveil some of the behind-the-scenes anecdotes, including why Motorheart is an onion of an album. Good day to you. It is I, Justin from The Darkness, sitting here with Rufus Tiger-Taylor. He's the drummer. Ru, how was it recording the lights up? How does it make you feel when you hear it? Is it, make, is it good? Sublime! That's subliminal. Is that because there's lots of um, uh, concepts that are running under the surface that you don't hear the first time? Exactly right, Justin. So many. There's, it's it's a, a layer of... of... stuff. Underneath another layer of stuff. It's like an onion. It's an onion of an album. It's the onion album. When... Um, do you think it's a timeless onion of an album, like a pickled onion of, of an album? Absolutely. It's in a, it's in a beautiful jar of timeless genius i was uh, in switzerland and you guys were in england did you miss me <laughs> so much that's obvious we didn't see each other for a long time did we a long long time the longest i've ever not seen you did it make you sad or i longed for you how come you made such an inspired album is it because it's better when i'm not there it's because i think the the hurt that we were feeling from missing you so <laughs> yeah. badly you were tapping into the emotions weren't yeah you? it made yeah. us you can it really made us feel dive that. deep yeah yeah you can really feel that i mm. think yeah you can feel it now nice one Ruth. nice one dan as producer do you feel as though this magnus opus uh, ex exceeds even easter is cancelled in terms of the sonic s signature of it or um do you think you've uh, what, what what did you do differently this time did you have different equipment were you mixing inside the box, outside the box, to the side of the box? <clears throat> uh, in answer to, is it a bigger, better sounding album than Easter's cancelled? Yes. Um, and what did I do differently? I turned everything up. <laughs> it is, it rocks harder, doesn't it? Um, Frankie, do you feel like, um, do you feel like um, the darkness operates better when we're making songs that are like, um, that have like political undercurrents and and uh, and is talking about now, or do you think that this this album is a secret reflection of the current times, or do you reckon it's just like a an escape from the current times? Tell me what tell me your thoughts on the subject matters. I think it's very nuanced. Mm. Lots of nuances going on. 
and it's a reflection of a very dark time in human history which we will do well to recover from and if we don't then we're all gonna die <laughs> Okay. Woo. Cool, that's Frankie Pula. As evidently displayed there, the Darkness are a band who have always found a way to inject tongue-in-cheek sass into every move they make. In fact, Pitchfork said it best back in 2017 that the ultimate paradox surrounding the Darkness is that in order to take the Darkness seriously, you have to be willing to take a joke. Merging award-winning songwriting with comical hard rock and earth-shattering falsettos, the Darkness always keep a smile up their sleeve without tipping over entirely into full-blown gimmicked comedy. And while the new album Motorheart is not without its irreverent moments, the permeating upbeat affability is no accident, with the band purposefully trying to avoid any pandemic gloom, instead inciting you simply to have a good time. And that's exactly what the lovable Darkness Larrikins went on to explain to the press play team. Um, so are we saying that it's a reflection in the sense that it, it happens in spite of the, the uncertainty and the suffering, or is it? do you think it's just we're just searching for a little bit of a little glimmer of positivity or is it just a, is it an it's it's a it's a really upbeat strangely upbeat album and um i don't want to swear here but um, but the album it really doesn't give a fuck it makes no mention to really to anything sort of pandemic-y or like loneliness or that kind of stuff really in, in a maudlin way it's like it's almost just completely ignoring what's happening and and having a having a good time which is uh which is, I guess, a timeless. That's like a timeless attitude. Run a brick wall. Do what? It do makes what you now? feel like you could run through a brick wall. Why would you want to do that then? It just makes you feel that way. It doesn't work, mm -hmm. but it you, makes you feel that strong. The only reference to pandemic was uh, Dan panning the guitars. Yeah. Left and right speaker. That was the only thing. <laughs> and then at the end of the song, there was a reference to the endemic. Um. Anyway, and let's hope it goes viral, uh, like, like COVID. I mean, not to make light of COVID. I mean, I think we did try to ignore it, didn't we? In some respects, we wanted to make a timeless record that wasn't just oh, that's the last time when they're in lockdown. You can hear the sadness in their hearts when they're playing their guitars with their and, and drums and drums as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it is I, Justin from the Darkness, and Rufus from the Darkness as well. Daniel from the darkness. Frankie Poulain. I do hope you've enjoyed this insightful uh, analysis of what happened during the making of uh, Motorheart. And uh, we wish you all the very best and Merry Christmas. Cheers. Motorheart dropping via cooking vinyl ultimately covers a bit of everything from love letters to Glasgow to sonic shape-shifting and moments that would make Queen proud. And so they should, given the darkness drummer Rufus is none other than Queen drummer Roger Taylor's son. A familiar and fun adventure for anyone weary from the past two years. Give Motorheart a motor this Friday, and here's a bit of a taster for you before we dive into some current pop culture shenanigans. Don't forget, if you do like what you hear, you can listen to all the songs you hear in Press Play in full. Hit up our Press Play Spotify mixtape to hear more. And before the Press Play train pulls into the world of anniversaries, reissues and hot new singles, it's time for a quick peek at what's making waves in the land of pop culture and all things music wildfire. For Taylor Swift, last Friday was a red letter day. Or to put it better, a red Taylor's version day. With Swifties gifted with a re-recording of her iconic 2012 album Red. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now. Flew me to places and never been. Till you put me down. Oh, I knew you 
Whether you're a diehard fan of Swift or not, her impact is undeniable. And the circumstances that have led to this re-recording are, of course, lined with major disputes centred around the ownerships of the Masters to her back catalogue. But not only has Swift emerged triumphantly, reimagining and reclaiming ownership of her art, she's also smashed in as the queen of streams, breaking two major Spotify records in the process. Over the weekend, reports emerged from Spotify confirming that Tay-Tay broke two records on the day of release, November 12th, smashing the most streamed female in a single day in Spotify history, with a casual 122.9 million plus streams in the first day alone. Swift also smashed a record for the most streamed album in a day by a female in Spotify history, with 90.8 million streams on day one alone of the album. And fittingly, she actually snatched that record from herself. She'd previously held that record for Folklore in 2020 with 78.7 streams in 24 hours of the album. So just casually, you know, levelling up a couple of million here and there. Meanwhile, closer to home, our feature album artist from last week's episode of Press Play, none other than Courtney Barnett, well, get set to hear even more of her sonic goodness. Her track Smile Real Nice will be on full display as of this Friday 19th November as the opening theme song for the brand new Apple TV Plus animated adaptation of Harriet the Spy. The punk vibes are real on Smile Real Nice and it's another win for a local artist in the land of TV with a star-studded cast for Harriet the Spy including Jane Lynch, Lacey Chabert and many more lined up for the new series. Check out Apple TV Plus to grab a listen later this week and here's a snippet of Courtney Barnett's song to get you in the mood. The Green Room with Tiana Speeder is your ultimate Access All Areas pass. Want to go beyond the press release and really get to know some of your fave celebs from the world of music, acting and comedy? Subscribe now to catch all the latest episodes. You can find us at euphony.com.au, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you usually get your podcasts. And now on to today's Rewind and Reissue segment here on Press Play. We're looking back at this week and around this time in musical history and some snazzy new reissues on the way as well. And who better to lead us through all of this than Steve Bell, host of the incredible podcast Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder of Sonic Sherpa Records. Belly, how's it going? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? It's good. It's fantastic to have you as always to unpack some amazing moments of music past. So where are we headed today? All right, we're going to go back to the early 90s, New York City. And on this day in 1993, Nirvana recorded their MTV special, which obviously would come out as MTV Unplugged about a year later. important album in the history of popular culture probably no never mind but still it's an incredible record um yeah it, I, I thinking back it's weird for me i had a in the early 90s there was a lot of bootlegs around i think there was parallel importing was allowing australia to be flooded with all these really really random bootlegs and i picked up must have been 93 then or early 94 i no early 93 i picked up a copy of one called nirvana all acoustically and it was MTV Unplugged, but pre-internet, I didn't know that. Didn't say anything about MTV on there. So for the next 12 months, I had this Nirvana acoustic CD that caused a lot of conjecture. A lot of people didn't believe that it was Nirvana. Um, I couldn't explain where it was from. You know, it just was so unlike anything they'd ever done. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and so when when the MTV Unplugged actually came out, it was quite a revelation. We finally got some closure on what this had been and that it was Nirvana. Um, 
it's a great story too. You know, they resolutely did things their own way as they will want to do. MTV were really angry at the set list, <clears throat> excuse me, that they didn't play the big hits. Um, they did a lot of covers, you know, Meat Puppets and Vaselines and as well as Bowie and Lead Belly and that. Uh, the guests, you know, they got the guys from the Meat Puppets up. You know, MTV clearly probably wanted Eddie Vedder or someone like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and then they wanted an encore and Kurt wouldn't do an encore and little things like this. I'm sure when it came out and it went number one all around the world, uh, MTV were probably fine with it by that stage. Um, sadly, Kurt had passed by then. It was the first release after his death. Uh, so it carried a bit of gravitar because of that as well. But, you know, look, it's now considered generally one of the greatest live albums of all time. So despite its weird genesis, yeah, it's an important day all those years ago. Oh, absolutely. Like there's nothing quite like an unplugged session from the nineties and like so many things happen. Obviously there was a big lead up and so many things happen after the fact, obviously given the, you know, Kurt's untimely passing all of that too, but I rewatched it recently and just watching that raw experience and anytime Kurt sang, like, I think it was that closing line of when he was singing, where did you sleep last night? And he just hit that final line. I would shiver the whole night through like that still destroys me to this day. Just the band like nearly stopped, like the whole band stops for a moment. And I'm just, yeah, oh, just after all this time, still gives me goosebumps. So amazing. And it wasn't really acoustic. He had his, he had his acoustic plugged in through an amp. He was cheating. Ah, I love it. He can do what he wants. Hell yeah, go Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Belly, that's an incredible moment in history. But before you go to, you are my vinyl guru and many other people's. But um, there are some great reissues on the horizon too. So what reissues are on, on your radar right now? Look, we're moving closer to Christmas, so the focus has gone away from actual reissues per se to more sort of compilations and and Christmas gifty sort of things. It always happens this time of year. It's always been, always will be. Uh, There's a couple of cool live albums. Speaking of, we just talked about the greatest live album. Um, Oasis Nebworth 96 was supposed to come out this week. It's been delayed. Uh, The CDs will be soon, but the vinyl is not going to be till mid-January now. So a lot of people were hanging out for that, but you have to wait. Um, there's a Primal Scream live album, Live at Levitation, uh, recorded at a 2015 festival. That's raising funds for the Red Door Community Cancer Charity. It's on pink vinyl. But the one everyone's excited about is Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band. They're releasing, and this is the title, not me pontificating, it's called the Legendary 1979 No Nukes Concerts, which was a show at um, Madison Square Garden in New York. Uh, it's a soundtrack to a new film of that event. And it catches like, you know, the East Street Band, they just put out Darkness on the Edge of Town. So it's all the early stuff. There's guests like, you know, Tom Petty drops in, Jackson Brown. Yeah, it's just pretty great. Just boss, late 70s dominating really. Yeah, what's not to like there? That's just a wounding <laughs> sentence. Even if the title is like a bit of a mouthful, I'm all, I'm so fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of Greatest Hits compilations coming out too. Twisted Sister, Greatest Hits. This is their sixth Greatest Hits. I'm not sure if I'm happy with that i think it might be a few too many for them seeing i can really only name we're not going to take it which was a banger but anyway that's a double album too i'm not do they really need a double album for twisted sisters gross hits one artist though who does ray charles there's a new compilation coming out called true true genius uh 24 songs on two lps his incredible five decade career you know he flirted from soul gospel blues pop Rock. He had an album in 1962 called The Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music, which is revered as a really important country album, and that's represented too. That guy is a legend. True Genius is a great title for that one. And oh, just finally, cool. so, finally, there's some era compilations, I guess you'd call them. Um, it's strange working in the record shop how many people come in asking if you've got any 80s compilations or 70s compilations and things like that and usually all we can do is point them to the second hand bins and and your old compilations like you know 1981 with a bullet and all that sort of stuff which are incredibly popular so now universal and music on vinyl have put out a range of uh, double albums there's 60s collected which you know beach boys dusty springfield nina simone bob dylan and so on 70s collected queen lou reed rush blondie 80s collected the Cure, Wham, Pat Benatar, Culture Club. I don't know. There's 90s, the songs as well. That's from a different series. But these are going to go really well. Can you sum up a decade in four sides of vinyl? I'm not really sure. But, look, mm. people love them and they're going to move a lot. So, yeah, that's one for a P3 
people's stocking stuffers, I guess. Definitely. Oh, who doesn't love a bit of vinyl? And who knows? Maybe we can sum it up. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, amazing picks as always, Belly. Thank you for the amazing trips down memory lane and down vinyl lane as well. And of course, to everyone listening to catch more of Steve Fell's incredible musical insights, you can check out the latest season of Belly's chart topping podcast as Rewind goes back 20 years into the journey behind Slightly for Kate's third album, Echolalia. And rumor has it there are some new episodes on the way as well for Rewind. So watch this face closely. <laughs> <laughs> not too far off <laughs> thanks so much Belly. I'll catch you next week have a great day see you soon here we go again it's singled out time on press play today and Andrew Mast is back in the press play house Masty there are so many singles out at the moment but what songs are we going to be chatting about today it was a really tough week and we, we, we took a while to narrow it down and it's an all Aussie selection so we'll start off with Katie Baker and her single called Spice. We can sit down, have a little chat. One on one, one on one on one. We can drink the tea, add a little spice. Won't that be nice? Just as you like. I feel like Katie Baker is having that moment with Spice where everything falls into place. Her voice just sounds better and better with each recording and here it is so in sync with the arrangement that it is magical. I honestly got the old chill down the spine at the point where her vocal first comes in here. And while her press material talks about her R&B and neo-soul influences, I also hear a real trip-hop influence. I, I get a porter's head vibe here at times. And at a very short 2.41, this exquisite piece of music, it just leaves you aching for more. Such a good move. Keep us wanting more. Absolutely. I've been so obsessed with Katie Baker ever since I got to see her at Laneway a few years back with AB Original. Oh. She tore the metaphorical roof off. She is such a powerhouse. And I love that you brought the Porter's Head thing up because I got a real 90s kind of nostalgic vibe going here. So you are absolutely bang on. We're on the same page. What a track. Well, next up, we've got Camp Cope and a new track called Blue. in over three years for Melbourne's Camp Cope Trio and it finds them delivering a quieter sounding track. The song's very touching lyrics tackle the topic of what it's like to love through depression and a very raw lead vocal brings the emotion to the fore here. And the beautiful harmonies in blue cannot go unmentioned. They sound effortless and absolutely stunning. Um, an album is promised for 2022. The pandemic and lockdowns allowed the band to record without the pressure of deadline, which they say allowed them to take their time and just create beautiful music. Absolute result. Oh, entirely. I am so glad that Camp Coat are back. It has been many years now, but we're here once again with a new tune and that tenderness on George's voice here is just magic. And I really love seeing this different shade of Camp Cope. It's very raw. It's like, you know, but also a very real approach because I think they're kind of detailing a few themes of being in a relationship amongst some mental health stuff too. So just the way they straddle that and just make this gorgeous tune. I am so excited for a new album next year. There, are, I don't know how I'm going to cope with all the albums coming out next year. It's, it's, it's lining up like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nearly every single that comes out, there's like, oh, we promise an album I next know. year. It's <laughs> reaching that point. We've got another one here by G Flip. This one's called Scream and it's featuring Upsall. G-Flip has said there's no hiding the fact that this song is about sex. Indeed, it is a joyful exploration of desire and does a pretty spot-on job of seducing the listener before exploding into this euphoric breakdown. And for a song about intimacy, it was ironically recorded during lockdown, um, as we keep saying about a lot of these songs, but with G-Flip in Melbourne and Upsall in the United States, yet it really sounds like they're having so much fun in the studio together. 
While the vocals wrap themselves around a mix of squelchy synths and ringing guitar, mostly I am living for the drum solo where G Flip just unleashes. This left me absolutely awestruck. Absolute drum kit domination, Masty. And I love how G-Flip has just embraced so much pop sensuality here on Scream. It's hooky, it's smooth, it's sexy. But I feel like there's just something for everyone. And the music video too, they did tell their family not to watch the clip because it's raunchy. But this is just absolute source at its best and just such a polished outing all round. Absolutely. I have to say, watching the drum solo on the video just takes it to a whole new level too. Oh, my, as if I need any more excuses to do some air drumming in the car. <laughs> I'm sorry in <laughs> advance to everyone who's on the road with me. <laughs> just going to finish up with Electric Fields and then you won Gold Energy. What a week for epic songs. I remember when I first saw Electric Fields, they were taking part in the Australian heats of Eurovision. Now they weren't selected, I don't know how, but I certainly sat up and took notice. And I was lucky enough to see the duo perform live not long after that. It was at an awards event, one of those where artists can really struggle to stop the audience talking through their performances. But not only did Electric Fields stop them talking, they got a standing ovation. That just never happens for an unknown artist at these type of events. And I can tell you, everyone was talking about them after that performance. Gold Energy is big. It's uplifting. The duo's Michael Ross describes it as being about stadium-level joy. It is an immaculately produced slice of electronic music with an irresistible hand clap beat. You know you're going to end up clapping along with this on a 3 a.m. dance floor somewhere soon. And as per usual, Zachariah Fielding's vocal just soars. And at the point where you think it can't soar anymore, it just soars even further. Absolutely incredible, this one. And that, I think soars the best word, like the heights that this group are building to. Like I did get to see them live in person when they were performing at the Sydney Opera House once, I think. And there's so much warmth. Like it's the the name is perfect. It's like liquid gold oozing into your ears. There's warmth, there's power power, there's that trademark fusion of ethereal like pop, silky dance, and just such a joyful celebration of culture as well. I cannot wait to see what goes on next year with them. It's just gonna be so exciting. I have to say seeing them live is is so amazing. I've I've seen after the awards, I've seen them do intimate performances, I've seen them in venues. It you just want to tell people you've got to see this duo play live. They are they're so amazing to see. And uh, that's about it uh, for singles this week for singled out. Oh, absolutely spoiled. So many amazing tracks and so fantastic to see so many Aussies kicking absolute goals with these new tunes. And for our listeners, if you want to catch these songs in full, as well as plenty of other new tunes on the scene, drop into our Press Play mixtape on Spotify to catch all the songs we feature in today's episode and much, much more. Thank you, Masty, and I can't wait to see what next week brings. See you then. Well, that's it for another episode of Press Play today. As I have mentioned frequently throughout the episode, you can check out all of the songs you've heard in full, plus previous week's releases and all of the new tunes we're loving right now. That's on the Press Play mixtape on Spotify. If you need help finding it, head to euphony.com.au and you can press play directly on our homepage. Thank you, as always, to my fantastic co-host Andrew Mast and the wonderful and ever-so-knowledgeable Steve Bell. And a huge thanks as well to our guest reviewer, Cyclone. You can check out more of her work and her musical insights online. Hit her up at Twitter at The Real Cyclone and you can check our show notes for more info there. And of course, a shout out to The Darkness for making some time in their very busy schedules to share us some very cheeky and exclusive insights into their new album. Give Motorheart a motor this weekend if you can. It's definitely a fun listen. You can follow along with Press Play on Instagram for even more news on all things new releases. Head to at Press Play Oz, that's OZ for Oz. Come say hi, and we also update it frequently with some new songs that we don't get to cover in each episode as well, so there's always something new to explore over there. You can catch all previous episodes of Press Play, plus a bunch of other awesome podcasts in the Euphony suite and all our playlists right now as well. 
Head to euphony.com.au or grab a listen to previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Like what you're hearing? Drop us a line, leave a review, subscribe, follow, share, all that wonderful feel-good podcast stuff that helps us grow us as a new podcast. And if you're an artist with a new release, let us know. Head to our Instagram page and you can check out how to get in touch. That's once again is at Press Play Oz. Love music? Press play. Take care and I'll catch you next week. Press Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast, assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder, recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker, music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.